0: Hey, good morning and welcome. Thank you for joining us online. Today we are finishing up our series on encounters in Acts. And we're gonna finish up by telling a story that doesn't get a whole lot of attention about a character named Felix, who typically doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Felix is a character who kind of comes and goes really quickly at the end of Acts. And he's also one in a string of, Roman government officials that Paul has interactions with. And so it's really easy as you're reading through the end of that book to kind of lump all of them together and miss some of the really powerful and profound subtleties of this story. And I think that especially in in the current cultural moment we're experiencing, to miss out on Felix is to miss a tremendous lesson. And so the question that we have to start with is, how does Paul end up in Caesarea, the kind of seat of Roman government power in Judea at the time, before Felix, who is the governor of Judea from Rome? How does he end up before him? And the story of how he gets there is full of hours of incredible stories that we don't have time for. But the short version is this. Paul returns to Jerusalem after his various missionary journeys, after all of the just brutality and mistreatment and and courage and all of these incredible moments. He returns to Jerusalem with an offering that he's collected from the Gentile churches to support the suffering Jewish church in Jerusalem at this time. When he gets there, he does everything he can to get along with his opponents. But when some of those opponents see him in the temple, they stir up a group of people by creating a false accusation, and it actually turns violent to the point where Paul's life is in danger. And the Roman tribune, a man named Lysias, has to step in and protect him. And when Lysias finds out that Paul is a Roman citizen, he decides to protect him long-term. And he keeps him back from the crowds that want to kill him. And he ends up actually sending him all the way to Felix, because the case is so complex that he doesn't want to have to deal with it himself. And so as he sends Paul off to the city called Caesarea Maritime, beautiful city on the coast, a city where every time I read about it, it's, it's particularly evocative for me because I've been fortunate enough to get to visit it in person. He heads there with a letter from Lysias, basically saying that he's innocent. And so he goes with a letter for Felix that says, this man, I find nothing wrong with him, nothing deserving any kind of imprisonment or death. It just seems like it's some kind of disagreement about Jewish theology or Jewish politics. So I'm sending him to you, Felix, so that his accusers can come and make their case before you, so that he can make his case before you, and you can decide. So Paul arrives in Caesarea, he's put on house arrest, and his life hangs in the balance, and the person responsible for deciding his fate is a man who we know a little bit about from history outside of the Bible. And to really understand Paul's interactions with him, we have to look at this guy. His name's Antonius Felix. As I said before, he's the governor of Judea from Rome at the time, and he wasn't born into politics or born into power, he was actually a slave. In fact, history tells us it's very likely he's the very first freed slave to go on to hold a governorship in Rome. And so, You would think that perhaps because he came from those kind of humble origins that he would look on the weak and humble with kindness, but history tells us the exact opposite story. Felix was known as a a brutal, merciless person in terms of the way he governed the Jews. When there were revolts, when there were uprisings, he was known to quell them, not only brutally, but also ineffectively. In fact, he was so ineffective that the end of the story, we see him get removed from his post. And we know from Josephus and others that he was removed because despite all the violence that he perpetrated against the Jewish people, he was actually unable to govern them and maintain the peace. On top of that, he was also known for immorality in his own personal life. Um, The wife that we're gonna meet in the story, a woman named Drusilla was his third wife, and she had been married previous to being married to Felix as well. She was royalty herself. She was the daughter of Herod Agrippa, one of Herod the Great's sons. And prior to Felix, she'd been married to royalty, a provincial king of Syria, who had actually converted to Judaism for her. And it's not 100% clear how, but it it's, seems clear in the literature that Felix had in some way meddled in their marriage in order to cause a divorce so that he could marry her. So he's a man who's he's been governor in Judea for a long time. It's been five years or so. So he knows the culture, he knows the people. In some ways, it seems like he's the right person to solve this dispute, but at the same time, he's a guy who has no love for the Jewish people, who is brutal, immoral, and selfish. And that's who controls Paul's fate. And so we get a really short description of a trial where Paul's opponents who are actually the kind of highest of the religious elite in Jerusalem at the time. The high priest himself comes along with several of the elders and they've hired a Roman spokesman named Tertullus, whose job it is to kind of make the case against Paul as Rome friendly as possible because Rome as we see in the case of the trial of Jesus, Rome doesn't care about Jewish theology, they just want to know what threatens their empire. And so Tertullus comes, makes his case before Felix against Paul, and puts all of it in terms that Rome is going to care about. He he flatters Felix, praises him for the peace that he's brought to the region, even though he's representing the high priest of a people who have suffered in order for that peace to be brought to the region. And he he basically says, "Paul, Paul is a rabble rouser, he's a leader of a new sect in opposition to Judaism, in opposition to Rome, and he's to be taken care of. Now, Paul in his response, does something absolutely brilliant. He starts by kind of refuting all of their claims and pointing out the fact that they have no evidence of all of this. But then he says something in the middle of his defense that is absolutely masterful. He says, this I confess to you, speaking to Felix, that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So he starts by saying, listen, according to the way, which was the the term that Christians were using for themselves at this time prior to being called Christians, he says, the way is not some sect that's breaking off from Judaism. The way is something that is based entirely on the Jewish scriptures and the Jewish Messiah. It's because of my commitment to Judaism that I'm in trouble. Then he says, that the reason that he's in trouble is because he preached that there would be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. Now, it doesn't tell us exactly how Felix reacted to this, but you can see that Paul's not just making his legal defense. He's making his legal defense in a way that also allows him to say this incredibly evangelistic thing to Felix, this man known for his injustice, to know, I believe there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. And in my opinion, based on what we're gonna see in a couple of minutes, that stuck with Felix. Now, Felix, here's Paul's case. It's very clear when you read the story that we're supposed to see Paul as both rhetorically superior and having better evidence and a better case. And so Felix could let him go, but instead he does this. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off saying, when Lysias the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Now, Lysias, remember, is the man who actually rescued Paul from that mob in the temple and sent Paul to see Felix. So Felix says, I'll decide your case later. I, I, you know, I want to hear from Lysias first. The problem is we already know what Lysias thinks because Lysias wrote Felix a letter saying he knew that Paul wasn't guilty. And so what we see is a clear example of Felix prioritizing politics over the truth. He somehow wants to try to keep the Jewish leaders happy so that there won't be unrest in the area. And he wants to protect Paul, who he knows is a Roman citizen. And there's not a single decision that can accomplish both of those things. And so Felix doesn't make one. He says, we'll deal with this later. Kicks the can down the road and sentences Paul to an unimaginably long-sounding two years of house arrest. Paul, um, he's treated well because he's a Roman citizen, so he's not in chains. He's being watched over by a particular centurion. And very importantly for us, he's he's given access to visitors and to writing materials. But two years where, where his entire goal of pursuing God's mission, of preaching the gospel, seems to be on hold. And then right in the middle of that time, something incredible happens. And it's a story that's told in just one verse. And it's so easy to miss, but it is profound. It says, after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Christ Jesus. Now we get one half of a sentence that's gonna tell us what Paul said when this happened. But before we do that, I want you just to ask yourself, what would you have done if you were Paul in this situation? So Paul's there. We don't know what level of sincerity is involved, but it seems like at least on some level, Felix and his wife, Drusilla, want to hear him explain what Christianity is. Paul is going to have the ear of the person who could set him free. And maybe most importantly, he's going to have that ear when there's no opponents there. Tertullus isn't there to make the, the case against him. It's just him and Felix. And he says, tell me what Christians believe. It's unimaginable to think that you wouldn't capitalize on this to try to gain your freedom. But maybe Paul knew, and I say maybe because it doesn't say this, we're, we're speculating, but maybe Paul knew that something he had said about a resurrection of the just and the unjust had stuck in Felix's ear. And so this is what Paul says. It says, and as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment, that's all we get. And we're going to look at what Felix's reaction is in a second, but we just, we have to stop here for a minute because this is absolutely incredible. Paul doesn't try to maneuver for points against his opponents or to try to get his freedom. He uses the opportunity for the highest purpose that it could possibly have, which is to present the gospel to Felix. It's to give Felix what he asked for. Tell me what Christians believe. And Paul says, that's what I'll do. It doesn't tell us very many details about what Paul says. It says he reasons about righteousness and self-control and the coming judgment. But based on what we know about Felix, it's easy to see why Paul picked these things. Paul puts his finger right on the core issue in Felix's life. This man who is known in Roman history as somebody without self-control, without righteousness, somebody who, if judgment is coming, he's in tremendous trouble. And Paul, even though this guy controls his life, doesn't tell him what he wants to hear he tells him what he needs to hear now again we don't know for sure what paul said about righteousness but we know paul talks about righteousness a lot in his writings and so i think it's fairly safe to say that he probably spoke to felix about the fact that humanity's righteousness felix's righteousness would never be enough to save him that he couldn't muster up enough righteous behavior to save himself that he needed the righteousness that god could give him through faith in jesus christ written all over Paul's writings. And how does Felix respond? It says, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. Felix says, stop. That's enough. We'll talk about it later. Now, why? Why does he do that? The text says he was alarmed. Is the ESV translation? Some English translations will say afraid. The truth is, Neither of those translations are quite strong enough. The word in Greek is emphabos, and it's actually an adjective that puts a a stronger emphasis on the Greek word for fear. The best way to translate this would probably be to say that Felix was terrified. Something that Paul said freaked him out. Something shook him up so much that he stopped Paul from talking. It doesn't say that he's like offended or that he's, he's bored or he's gotten cynical about the whole thing or he's just over it. And it says he's terrified. So picture it, Paul, a prisoner, talking to the man who controls his destiny and something he says scares that man enough for him to say, stop, that's enough, maybe later. Felix, on some level, feels the the pang of truth. Something hits him at a level that's so deep that that he, he starts to shake internally, And instead of pressing into that, he says, maybe later. The worst thing, in my opinion, that he could possibly have said. Because for Felix, we find out there isn't a maybe later. Felix goes on after this to have a couple more interactions with Paul, but it says specifically that they're all about trying to get a bribe out of Paul. He probably had heard that, Paul had brought an offering from the Gentile churches for the church in Jerusalem, and maybe he was hoping to get some of that money. But there's never any other talk of him showing interest in Christianity. There's nothing about him being afraid or interested. He just spends two years of Paul's life trying to get a bribe out of him. And when all of it's over, at the end of the whole situation, when he's recalled back to Rome, for a, a horrible uh, mishandling, rather, of a revolt that happened in Caesarea. When he's recalled, he leaves Paul in prison to try to get favor with the Jewish people. And again, there's some history outside of the Bible that indicates that his life was actually in danger because Caesar may have executed him for his failures if it wasn't for his brother, Pallas, who had even more favor with Caesar. None of, that, none of that's particularly important. The point is, he, Felix, takes the opportunity to protect himself politically, maybe even physically at the cost of Paul's freedom and leaves him for the next person to deal with. Just like when he had the opportunity to deal with Paul's case, when he has the opportunity to deal with Jesus and the gospel, Felix says, maybe later. Here's the thing. I think that Felix's story and Felix's decision probably relates to many of us more strongly than we'd like to admit. This is a moment in, in world history, a moment in our culture that is causing so many people to take a second look at things that they might have ignored for a long time. Sort of like something stuck in Felix's ear, there's something happening to us culturally and many of us individually that's making us say, maybe I need to look at this stuff again. And that's true for Christians who have maybe been lukewarm, who haven't been taking it that seriously. And it's also true for skeptics who have maybe just kind of dismissed some of the claims of Christianity for a long time. People are taking a second look. And I'm not just like making that up or saying it just because, you know, it feels that way. We just, South Valley, we know that. We see the number of plays that our videos get. And we know that, frankly, there are more people watching these stream services than we typically have in church on a Sunday. And we're thrilled by that. We're so happy that you're here watching with us, giving us the opportunity to tell you about Jesus. But I have to take this opportunity to warn you, let Felix be an example to you. Do not do what Felix did. Don't experience a moment that causes you to lean in for a second, only to feel that pang, feel that emphabos, feel that fear that freaked Felix out and say, maybe later. See, the stuff going on in the world right now is, is horrific. And I don't just mean the coronavirus and I don't just mean the lockdown, that would be enough. We have 100,000 deaths now during this pandemic. We have people who are suffering for a huge variety of reasons because of the extended lockdown. And then on top of that, you, like me, are watching the internet and seeing horrors happen this week. Seeing things on video that bring you to your knees, that cause you to lament and and cry out to God and say, "What, what is this about? Things that draw you to ask big questions about the truth. Felix had a moment where he saw the truth so clearly that it shook him to his core. And he said, maybe later. And I want to urge you for the sake of your life, for the sake of your soul, do not lean in just enough to feel that and then say, maybe later. It's not later, it's now. It's now. And so if you, like Felix, during this time have have felt that maybe there is something, maybe there is an answer to this, maybe there is something good out there, lean in and keep leaning in. It's good to seek the truth, but don't stop at seeking the truth. When you find the truth, embrace the truth, but fall to your knees before the truth. Don't just dabble in Christianity. Don't stop short at dabbling. I think, again, I'm speculating, I think Paul probably told Felix something about righteousness, similar to what he said, famously in Romans chapter three. He says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for all who believe. For you today, watching this right now, the righteousness of God is available for you if you will believe in his son. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now we could talk for hours about the deep theology that's in this verse, but at the simplest level, what you see is this, that Jesus Christ has bought redemption for us by his blood and that that redemption can be received by faith. This world, man, is is dark right now. It's broken right now. It's always been broken, but right here it's come home, right? You see it on the news. This, This country's on fire. The world is dark, but a light came into that dark world. And he took upon himself all of our hate and cruelty and evil and injustice. He bore that weight so that you and I could have a place in his family so that his victory over death could be shared by us, so that we could live with him forever. Because here's the thing. Paul also talked to Felix about judgment, about justice. And man, right now, in our world, our culture, the modern West, we don't really like to talk about judgment right now. But if you're anything like me, you look at the world around you and you say, you know what, this is a world that is in desperate need of some righteous, holy judgment, of justice, which is a a more positive way to say the same concept. We need justice, we need judgment. There's a million things you can look at and point and say that needs some judgment, that needs some justice. The problem is Paul's right, because he says, all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And you might want righteous justice to come down, but you know that if you, on your own merit, stand before that judgment, stand before that justice, you'll be the first one swept away by it. That's what I feel in myself. And so what I do is I take shelter under the wings of the Almighty. I stand in a a place of safety that was purchased for me at great cost 2000 years ago by a man named Jesus Christ. And all I wanna do is invite you to do that today. Don't be like Felix. Let his story be a warning to you, a message to you, that to feel that pang, to ask all of those reasonable questions of like, man, am I ready for the upheaval that's going to come into my life if I accept that this man died and rose again and is still alive and reigning today? Those are reasonable questions to ask. But the last thing you should do is let this moment bring you to that point only to say, maybe later. Not later, my friends, not later, Now. And so if you want to know more about what this means, please reach out to us. We actually have created a special place on our website just for you to do this. And the link for it is in the description of this video. And, and we just, we want to talk to you. If you, that's a very short path from you to a pastor talking to you. We'll call you. We, we want to help you through this. But again, don't lean in just to where you feel that tension, feel that pain, and then back away and, and say maybe later. Because the truth is, the safety, the beauty, the joy, the only possible solution to the suffering we see right now is the God who came and is with us today and the God who is coming again to make all things right in the future. And just by entrusting yourself to him, you can have that life and you can have that freedom now and be called into the mission of spreading that life and that freedom around the world today. Let me pray for us. Father, I am, um, I am broken by what I see in the world around me. And I ask you to bring peace, to bring justice, to let truth be seen and known. And Lord, I ask you to come soon and do what you promised, to wipe every tear, to right every wrong. You said you would, and I believe you will. Do it soon, Lord, we need you. And for everyone who is here and listening to this right now, I just ask that you would speak to them, that you would give them the courage to lean all the way into whatever truth they might be feeling, whatever inkling of of who you really are, that they might lean all the way into it to the point of embracing your son. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.